Except for Mike, so yeah, Mike's team's good. All right, go ahead. All right, welcome back to another edition of the Mouthinoff Sports Show. Here, hosted by yours truly, Dan Sadik, alongside Zachary Lacey, Ryan Brown, and Jonathan Sullivan. Potentially a special guest later on. Stay tuned. But it is December twenty sixth, day after Christmas. Hope everyone is having a happy holidays and Merry Christmas to everybody out there. It is a special off day podcast. Because we're on winter break, we won't be back on till later in uh, January, most likely third week. Uh, we'll give you updates on that. But nonetheless, we got week 16 to recap. The Patriots beat the Bills 24-17, to and they're going to finish up week 17 with Miami coming to Foxborough. They clinch the AFC East, and they're in line for the number two seed as long as they take care of business against uh, Miami. Hopefully they do. We'll see. Miami has been a lot better in the second half of the year than the first half. But nonetheless, let's get into it, guys. Patriots and Bills. First off, the offense to me and Brady overall looked a lot better. At least started the train. It started the ball rolling to at least give you a little bit of hope that they can continue this going on to next week and kind of replicate what they did last year with the last two weeks um, of the year last year with Buffalo and the Jets really figuring things out offensively, finding their identity, and I think they started to do that against the Bills, but they're going to have to really prove it again against Miami if I'm going to keep that confidence building up uh, because, again, in the playoffs, the road is to Baltimore, and that's scary. That is a scary thought to me, and, yeah, we'll, we'll have to see how that goes, but my initial takeaways from that game, we can start to see the offense finding its identity slowly but surely. We'll have to see if they continue that train against Miami, but that's my first takeaway. Look, I don't think any of us was impressed when they played Cincinnati with the offense, Yep. but definitely this week it looked a lot better. The offense just looked more fluid and just a whole lot better. And I've been on Sony Michelle all year. You have. Dude, dude ran hard. He ran hard this game against a good Bills defense. And that was my biggest takeaway is that Sony actually looked like he ran hard, was trusting his blocking, and ran through some good holes. And the defense played very good again. My biggest takeaway was that they showed an improved ability <laughs> to sustain drives, which had been lacking the previous weeks. Uh, but they still, they still are struggling to convert them into touchdowns. They're still settling for field goals half the time. The red zone inefficiencies have got to be figured out. I don't know if it's just play calling or force feeding Edelman or Nikhil Harry. I don't. I don't know, but they got to come up with something because it just ain't working right now. Yeah, my biggest thing from the game, kind of breaking off of Zach's point, was just the offense. I was impressed by that. The Bills. That's no joke with defense. And Brady played probably his best game in at least two months. He was spreading the ball around getting it to different people, had a high completion percentage, looked pretty good. I mean, and that, I think, starts, like what Zach said, they, the run game was better. That establishes the play action. That opens up the 
you know, the offense, the middle of the field, for people to get open, for Edelman to get a 1v1 matchup or whatever. And also it was a great game, I thought, for McDaniels. I thought the play calling was excellent um, compared to what you've seen in the past. They dialed up the screen game nice. Um, even on a great screen where Burke had fumbled, that would have been like a 30, 35-yard mm-hmm. game. Um, so it's good to see the offense humming. It's similar kind of to what they did last year when the offense got cooking at the end of the year and they carried that through the playoffs. But I certainly would not compare it to what they had last year because they were astronomically ta- more talented last year on offense um, than they are this year. So it'll be interesting to see how they come out against Miami. But it's definitely a sign, a positive sign going forward that I don't think, at least in the home game they should have if they beat Miami, that you know if, if whether it's Houston or Kansas City that comes in to Foxborough, I mean the Patriots should definitely put up a fight in that game, which I don't know if you could have said that you know three or four weeks ago. Yeah, I'll say this, too. I don't know how much they're going to try to incorporate this going forward, but I loved seeing it. Uh, Landon Roberts as fullback, I think, can be very effective, especially if he gets comfortable in that role. And obviously, yeah, you're not going to see him much on defense, but that's fine. You know, defensively, I don't really want to see him out there. Uh, I think their linebackers are fine. He doesn't really need to be out there defensively. Offensively, if he can give you something at fullback, and who knows, maybe even... Maybe even wrinkle in uh, something offensively. Uh, maybe make him an eligible receiver here and there. Maybe, uh, maybe. I mean, the fullback's always eligible. Oh right, but like, <laughs> maybe work him in the passing offense. Uh, not like as a legit threat, but as like a you know bait and switch. Didn't see that coming. Holy crap! A Landon Roberts all of a sudden is out um, wide right, and then you know you're able to add a wrinkle there. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be anything crazy, but I like that, and I loved his quote um, about playing fullback. And I quote, I run through a motherfucker's face. Offense, defense, special teams don't matter. So <laughs> I, I love him saying that. I love Brady emulating it on Twitter as well because Brady had a block on uh, Tredavious White, which was great. I just, I mean, it's scary, but still pretty cool to see. Like one of the biggest things last year, James Devlin just running over people. Obviously Gronk on the edge helps his blocking a lot. Um, but a lot of McDaniel's stuff with fullbacks is, in the power run game, and they didn't, were missing that after Devlin got hurt, and the who was the other fullback they had? Oh, Jacob Johnson, international guy. Yeah, Jacob Johnson. So love Alana Robertson, there, and I, that quote is awesome. I'm sure they've run like practice plays where he gets like that bait and switch play where he yeah. gets targeted in the flat by the goal line or something like that. I'm sure they've run that play a couple hundred times. Maybe that's a stretch, but I'm sure they've run it plenty of times where if they feel comfortable, if they feel like the situation is right, they'll feel comfortable enough to run that in a game. Right, and I honestly think that you, if they're going to run it in a game, you don't see it this weekend. You no. oh, God, see no. it, you wait until the playoffs to <laughs> yep. run that play so it Absolutely. doesn't show up on film. Uh, they've run so many gadget plays already this year. That, <laughs> can't afford yeah, that, that play is definitely in there somewhere. Yeah. It's just, you're not going to, I don't think you're going to see it this weekend. I don't think you're going to have to. Uh, Fitzmagic has been good, but they're going to run over this team. Yeah. I agree. Um, the Dolphins have been, you know, they've been better of mm-hmm. late. Um, Devontae Parker's been pretty good. It's it's a good matchup for Gilmore this week. It's not like, you know, he's going to get the week off because Parker's been one of the, you know, big surprises of the years and putting up great numbers. But, yeah, I agree, Zach. They should they should beat the Dolphins handily. They're 15.5-point favorites. Um, we'll get into lines maybe later in the show, but... I like them this week to cover that. Yeah, and I mean Fitzpatrick 
in, in terms of fantasy, had a negative 1.8 outing against the Patriots. I think it was like he got week benched. three. He, it was bad. Like, so he has been playing better of late, coming off of, of a big big game against the porous Cincy defense. Uh, but I, I wouldn't expect uh, him to be able to anywhere come close to near to duplicating that. Uh, but it was, I will say this about the game, for the second straight week, a Patriots running back led the team in receiving yards. And I don't know about you guys, but I don't know if I like that going forward. I think it it means it could be a good thing, but I could also see it being a bad thing. What do you, what do you guys feel about that? I, I love when they have uh, White and Burkhead in the backfield at the same time. That just adds so much, I think. But you're not really missing much by not having a Philip Dorsett or Jacoby Myers out there as your fourth wide receiver instead of having Burkhead and White out of the backfield, like, running the same route. They kept bringing him out of the backfield, and they would Brady would wing him out and then bring him back in, wing him out again. And I think it just adds so much more. And they're some, our best receiving threats outside of Edelman. Like, yeah. I'm fine with it. Yeah, I, I also don't really have a problem with it. I understand what you're saying. You kind of want a tight end or a receiver to be your, you know, top passing threat. But the way I look at it is, is White definitely is – is a pass. He's a pass catcher. He's not even a. I wouldn't even call him a running back. I mean, he's a pass catcher, and Burkhead is is a little bit less than that. They run a lot more with Burkhead than they do with White. Um, at least they did on Sunday. So, I would say he's a bit more of like your stereotypical running back. But both of them, I think, are are very able pass catchers. Yeah. So I don't really have a Burkhead with was it. the one who led them in receiving yeah, this yeah. week. Yeah. So. so I mean. Yeah, I don't have a problem with it. I mean, if it gets the job done, yeah. who, who really cares? I think it'd be thrown to fucking Marshall Newhouse if and if he if they win the game that way, who cares? You know? I mean Burk- <laughs> that fumble at Burkhead was tough. Uh, but he looked good. Yeah. He looked good running the ball. I mean, whenever he had it he was running hard. And they believe in him. That they, they do. They came right he back to him. He could have fumbled, and he was in. I believe he was the running back in on the next drive. Yeah, first he, play. Yeah, the first first uh, run, the next play. Yeah, next drive. Yeah. Yeah, I would say I like it more than I don't like it. Yeah, do I want more production out of guys like Sanu? Do I want more catches and just more production overall out of guys like Nikhil Harry and Dorsett? Yeah, I would love that. But at this point, I'll take whatever I can get. And if Burkhead, if guys like Burkhead are catching four for over 70, yeah, like that's not going to hap- happen every week. But if you're able to show teams that you can do that, you have guys that have that capability – like Zach said, maybe, yeah, you can get some more unpredictability there when you have a double-back set. And obviously having a Landon Roberts there, again, will help things because you don't have a fullback other than him right now. And your offensive line needs all the help it can get. You don't have good blocking tight ends. So ultimately, yeah, if you have any running backs that can double as a, you know, a hybrid back that can actually be effective for you, I'll take that any day of the week. Yeah, I agree. So is that uh, all we got on the Pats? No, I, I also want to touch on, we've been very positive because the offense has looked better, but to take it to more maybe of a negative, I didn't think the defense was all that great on Saturday. I don't know what you guys thought. They got exposed <laughs> on a couple big plays, obviously the John Brown touchdown and the Dawson Knox catch at the end of the first half that set up that touchdown with like 10 seconds left. It's just... 
I know you have talked about this, Ryan. You've talked about it a lot that like maybe the defense isn't as good as people say it is. You know, because the just the trash that they played this year, <clears throat> and I think that that's true to an extent. But seeing them get beat on big plays, you can say, well, you know, it's not like Buffalo had like long sustained drives, which is good. But like if you look at someone like Kansas City, that's what they strive on. They thrive <clears throat> on the big singular play. So that that does worry me. You know, yeah. down the stretch. Yeah, Buffalo's can do it. What do you think? Yeah, what do you think Tyreek Hill yeah. can do? Yeah, you know? I mean, that was very unpatriot-like to let up that kind of touchdown at the end of the first half. And I mean, the John Brown play—he just burned Gilmore. Yeah. He he put him in a blunder. And John Brown's—he's very fast and good. And you know, it's it's bound to happen. I mean, Gilmore's let up like only a couple touchdowns all year. Like, yeah, he's been a stud. It, it's going to happen, play to play. But, I mean, when you're facing, like, Tyree Kill and even Devontae, Devontae, uh, Devontae Parker this week, could happen again. Yeah, one more thing I'll, I'll just add real quick is that, yeah, I don't think you're going to come away if the Patriots blow out the Dolphins. I don't think you're going to, like, walk away saying, oh, my God, like, you know, I feel so confident about them uh, going forward, like, against Baltimore, or I think that this offense is completely back. No, like I said about the the Bills win, uh, if they replicate what they did against the Bills, but maybe even look a bit better, I will just be like 75% there, you know, because then they get the divisional game, which depending on who they play, like I still think that's going to be a game they win. We'll have to wait and see, obviously, who they match up with, but I think that if they can replicate uh, the offense from the Bills game to the Miami game, you'll just you'll feel a lot better. You won't feel like they're going <clears> to <throat> actually make the run. But against the Bills and the Dolphins, I don't care. They're not great teams. The Bills defensively are. But last year, they did the same thing, and they went on to win the Super Bowl. So, yeah, I want to see this happen again against Miami. And Brady had the best week he's had since probably week two <coughs> against the Dolphins. So, I'll take it. Right, you, you need this win this week. Yep. Oh, it's must oh, yeah. win. It's oh, must yeah. win. You, you need to have the bye and be the second seed. Yeah. Edelman and all these guys need a week off. It, it is a must win, and they should handily win this game. But you can't overlook this one. No, you're not. If you don't get the bye and you're the three seed, you're not going into Kansas City in the second round and beating them and then turning around and beating Baltimore no. the next in the AFC Championship. They, there's no way they can go on the road to Kansas City and then Baltimore and and win both of those games, probably any of them. Yeah, it, it, even if they somehow miraculously survive those two, then they got to play a juggernaut out of the NFC, most right. likely. Probably no, no just yeah. the odds of them running that gauntlet, I, I slim, so slim to none. Yeah. I got a, I got a question for you. Speaking on the AFC, sure. are you, are any of you here worried because John Harbaugh has already come out and said so many of the Ravens. Starters are going to sit this week. Yep. Then they're going to have two more weeks after this week, so they're going to basically have a three-week bye from last Sunday. Are you concerned that they're taking the wrong approach with this and that they should maybe play a few, even just a half as opposed to sitting out the whole game because they're going to get rusty sitting on not playing for you know more than half a month? I, I see where you're going with it. And for someone like... And you're talking about a quarterback here in Lamar Jackson that has zero experience of that type of thing. Like, at least with Brady, he's been through it so many times that he knows, you know, what to do and how the the cycle goes, whereas Lamar Jackson has never 
been through something like this before. Normally, I would agree with you, but given that Lamar Jackson is such a mobile quarterback, and he takes hits, he's going to take hits, and he has taken hits. There was we saw some shots down the stretch where he he did not choose to go out of bounds. He tried to fight for those extra yards, and he took shots. Even last, oh, yeah, there was a big one this this yeah. week. Yeah, he yeah, got hopped yeah. down this. There was line. a point where he was limping yeah. off the yeah. field at the I think it was the end of the first half, yeah. and. So you add up all the hits that he's taken, whether they've been in the pocket or scrambling around the field, and I honestly don't hate the fact that they're going to give him a couple weeks and just let him be 100% no injury-free, let those bumps and bruises heal. Yeah, maybe he doesn't know. They Maybe they don't know how to handle it, but you, you don't know how they're going to react to it as right. well because they've never been in this position. Sitting a guy like Mark Ingram, you understand. Who knows what is good with his knee after that non-contact injury but like sitting i think they're starting uh, sitting their star guard pro bowl guard uh Yoan yanda Ka- yeah thank you um <coughs> I, I maybe that's a bit of a stretch but at the same time if you want to let guys heal up i don't have a problem with it they've earned the right they got no reason to go out there and risk any sort of injury whatsoever. right i completely agree with that i mean uh they got Harbaugh, who know, who's been there, done that. He knows what to do with the cycle and stuff. So that's the reason I'm most okay with it is because he's going to keep them on track and keep them focused and doing the right stuff. Yeah, after three weeks not playing, there's probably going to be a little rust. But I think if with Harbaugh and his experience, especially with Mark Andrews and Lamar and stuff always being hurt and Ingram's hurt, I don't have any problem. There's nothing to play for this week. There's no reason... I don't, if even if they play for a half, I don't think it's worth the risk of them getting re-injured and then not being ready for two weeks after that. Anyone that is less than one hundred percent for them should not see the field whatsoever. But uh, anyone that is less than one hundred percent, that is one hundred percent, I I don't have a problem with them running them out. Uh, but it does give them a chance to let some of those third, fourth string guys that don't get much usage to get a, uh, an enhanced role. Should should a Mark Ingram be out? Justice Hill, Gus Edwards, they those those guys need to be ready to step in, and so this gives them a week to be in that feature role, so to speak, uh, get them those those carries to get them ready for the playoffs. Um, so I don't, I don't hate it, um, but I can see where you're going with it because if if you sit out the three weeks and then you come out rusty and come out to a slow start, you get down fourteen nothing in the playoffs. They're not built to make a comeback like that. No, because they don't want to. They don't want to throw the ball forty times a year. No, that's for sure. They, they're not built to do that whatsoever. No. So I understand that that is a concern. But I think at this point in time, it they've earned the right to do this, and I think it's going to help them more than it will hurt them. Fair, fair. I have a question for you guys because I I'm with you, Ryan. I think it helps him more and helps the team more than it hurts, mainly because again, Jackson's taking a lot of hits. Uh, this year, and my question for you guys is, do you think this is the Buffalo Bills' best chance to get their first playoff win in, what, 20 years? And second, do you think it will happen? Because I think, obviously, we don't know who they're playing yet. Could be the Texans, could be the Chiefs. Uh, I think if they get matched up with the Texans, they have a legitimate shot at getting their first playoff win in decades. 
their best shot was what two years ago when they faced Jacksonville. Yeah, and they lost like nine to six. But that but that Jacksonville team proved that they were actually pretty good, and they almost beat the Pats in the AFC title. They should have beat the Pats in that yeah. AFC title. Yeah. Playoff Danny Amendola. <laughs> but uh, is this their best shot? Um, can they do it? I don't know. I don't know. I, I I think Deshaun Watson is is a good enough quarterback to make plays, and New Hopkins is just borderline unguardable. But the Bills are built to slow. They are built to stop that. It's whether or not their offense can make enough plays and and not make too many mistakes. Yeah, and you saw they didn't make mistakes but, against the Patriots, but they couldn't make plays. They had a couple of those deep hits, but that was pretty much it. They had the deep one to Knox and the deep one to John Brown. That's it. Really, pretty much that's it. Yeah, I mean, that was John Brown's only catch of the game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, aside from a couple of big hitters, the the Buffalo Bills doesn't really – offense doesn't really scare anyone unless – as long as you stop the run game. If you let them run all over you, then, yeah, then it becomes a problem. Right. Um. Yeah, to answer your question, Dan, I agree with Ryan. I don't think it's their best shot because they – that Jacksonville team was not – that good and they had a real shot to win that game but I do think if they play Houston which most likely they're going to end up playing um, then they have a real shot I would say that they have I would put it at like 55 45 I would give the slightest to the Texans but I want to see how the Texans play this weekend they got a game against the Titans it's going to be a must win for the Titans and Deshaun Watson left last game he was limping at the end of the game and Deshaun Watson was was very bad last weekend against a porous, porous pass defense in the Bucks. Um, and he, sometimes Deshaun Watson, a lot of people want to talk about how he's like the next great thing and stuff like that, and he is very good, but Deshaun Watson has been prone to have, you know, stinkers. Like, he, he had a stinker after the Patriots game when they played, you know, Denver. The whole team did, so that Texans team does worry me. But there's no chance if the Bills play Kansas City they're winning. But if they play Houston, then I'll I'll give them a real shot. But I would not say it's been their, it's not their best chance because that Jacksonville they had a better chance to win that Jacksonville than they would against the Texans this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, same same yeah. page. Yeah. All right, that's fair. That's fair. I just think that you know if they were to win, one it would just be amazing to see that fan base go absolutely bananas like just. I don't even know if they can handle that type of uh, <laughs> success, just one playoff game. I don't think the table population <laughs> in Buffalo would be able to sustain itself. But They'd again, become an endangered species. <laughs> yeah. If they had to go up against KC, I'd give them like a, you know, a 10%, maybe 5% chance, only because they played Baltimore so well uh, during the middle of the season. And obviously they played the Pats pretty well twice. Obviously the Pats D is not what KC's is, but KC's defense is suspect overall, despite the addition of Terrell Suggs. But, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much my dream scenario. I just want to see the Bills win one playoff game sometime in Josh Allen's career. So, I don't know. Maybe we'll see that this year. Maybe we won't. Yeah, and I would say this, Dan, to conclude it, I would give the Bills a better shot of going into Baltimore and beating them than I would the Texans. Right. Because you, I just think the Bills are, oh, are yeah. built on defense, and that's the only way you're going to stop the They're built similar. Yeah. So you saw in the matchup, they were very even matched, yeah. and just the Ravens made a couple extra plays. So as, a, as a Pats fan, I want I obviously am going to want Baltimore to have the most difficult stretch because, you know, you want them to lose, so the AFC Championship game's in 
Foxborough, so I'll be rooting. I'll be rooting hard for the Bills when they play the Texans, most likely on Wild Card Weekend. Because you're assuming that Kansas City <laughs> will probably handle whoever sneaks in as that six seed. If <coughs> Pittsburgh gets in, if <coughs> Pittsburgh gets in, they might win fifty six to nothing. But <laughs> Tennessee beat them earlier this year. That That's all I'm gonna say. But. If my Raiders sneak in, I they might win three to nothing. Watch if your out! Sneak in. Watch I, out! <laughs> I will cry. I will literally record myself shedding a tear. Whatever the Raiders line, got a chance. Whatever the line is in that well. game, I'll double it. Oh. Raiders got a chance to get in. I can ten ten things. Then five things, five happened. Five of them already happened. <coughs> Tennessee and Pittsburgh to lose. I think it's Indy to win. They got to win. And then there's like five, four, like one, of, one of five teams have to win, and yeah. one of them is the Patriots. You need if so. I need Tennessee to be the wild card team because everyone else that could make it, Pittsburgh or Oakland, they're awful. At least Tennessee might give you a game. Yeah, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's trash. Tannehill, hammer the hammer the Titans. Ryan Tannehill. He's been so good this year. I don't yeah. get it, man. And they played New Orleans good. They blew. Yeah. They had a big lead early. They blew it, but yeah. that's they still played them close. I'll give them that. My favorite game on this week's slate. I think it's fairly obvious what game I'm thinking of. It's the 49ers at the Seahawks. Let's go, baby! It's a huge game. Uh, Niners are favored by two and a half, I believe, and. If I were should be like know, twelve. I would just tell you to hammer the Seahawks, Hawks, 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 Hawks. Um, Seahawks are trash. They're home. <laughs> it's prime time. Russell Wilson is gonna go off. Beast mode is back. Marshawn Lynch. I don't know how much we're gonna see of him. I'll say this right now. I am so happy he's back in a Seahawks uniform, and we get to see him troll the media on a given basis. Um, but regardless, I don't think he has a ton left in the tank, but they obviously need the help because they're all banged up at running back. And, yeah, he comes home, and I don't think he's going to be too effective, but I think he could give you a little something against the Niners. And that game, Sunday Night Football, mark it down. I love you, Jimmy G. I, I, I love you so much, but I'm sorry. And he's going to love that one seed. He's going to know. He's going to lose. And Seahawks are taking the West. No telling way. You, telling you right now, mark it. No I way. I am a little worried. 26.10 into the show. I am a little worried about the Seahawks because they got really banged up last week in a bad loss to a not great Arizona team. Brett Hunley. But I, but I still like I still like the bounce back this week. I, I like Seattle just because I just don't think that crowd's going to be rocking the 12th man. It's gonna be nice and loud, and I just don't. Jimmy Garoppolo's—he's a fraud. He's—he's he's not going in there and winning. No chance. I don't think it's gonna be close. Russell Wilson's a fraud. This guy. Russell Wilson's a fraud. He won a Super Bowl. Yeah, a fraud now. <laughs> this guy's going downhill. They—they <laughs> they are gonna get so dominated. Cool. They're gonna lose in the first round of the playoffs. You can book that. Take it to the bank. The Seahawks have been known to be a run-first team for a couple years now, and they have literally no running backs. Yep. And now you're banking on a semi-retired Marshawn Lynch to come back from the grave to bail out your running back situation. Just, I don't, they lost Josh Gordon. They lost Will Disley earlier on this season. They've lost literally all their running backs. Like, all their skill position, skill position players have are dropping like flies. 
all they've got left is Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. Yeah, who didn't catch a pass last week. Didn't do anything. They had like a combined like two fantasy points. Who wants to play in my championship game and not catch a freaking pass? Fantasy hate. What a trade by Mike. He, what a trade he by Mike. screwed you. Fleece me. Yeah. Uh, so, I, I'm with Zach on this one. The 49ers are going to absolutely curb stomp the, the Seahawks. It just The defense for the Seahawks might keep it interesting for about a half or maybe three quarters, but I think in the end the 49ers are going to pull away on this one and lock up the one seed. So the Seahawks don't have a defense. So, yeah. I really hope that doesn't happen, Ryan. Um, crossing my fingers and everything else uh, that it doesn't. Need the Seahawks uh, division win to hit. I need that four for four. So, you know, <laughs> please, my son. Uh, but anyways, Packers beat the Vikings, which was demoralizing for me. Kirk Cousins needs to uh, he needs to fall off the face of the earth. Ooh. I mean, can you please just be consistent, dude? Just Figure it out offensively. He can be great sometimes, but man, 10 points against the Packers. You get stopped by 13 points. You're not going to win that division because Packers are playing the Panthers, I believe, this week. They're not losing to them. And you know what? Who are they playing? I believe they're playing the Panthers. Who? No. Packers? No, it's all division. No, it's all division. Oh, they're playing crap. The That's right. No. They're playing it the was uh, New Orleans playing the pa- uh, Panthers. Okay, yeah. Um, but anyways, Vikings aren't winning that division. Uh, and I really thought they had a good chance to do so. I mean, if they had won that game and then cleaned up shop this week, they could have. But, you know, Kirk Cousins is a fraud, making way too much money to basically be mediocre. And, you know, feel sorry for the Vikings. It's tough. Well, he, they didn't have a chance from the start. He's 0-8. He was 0-8 on Monday nights. Primetime, yeah, primetime. So, make that 0-9. So, uh, I don't know what you want from him. He just doesn't know how to win on Monday nights. It's not a him problem. It's it's just he just doesn't know how to no, win. No, no. If you're ba- being paid uh, a fully guaranteed contract, which are very far and few between in the NFL, you got to figure it out at some point. You got to figure it out, dude. Prime time, I don't care. You got I mean, a real. If he goes like 0 15 career on Monday nights, is that like entirely his fault? Yes. Yes. It is. <laughs> what? What? How is that not yeah, like? No, oh, I think that's so, yeah, that's a hundred. If he goes zero and two on Monday nights, it's not his fault. If he goes zero and fifteen, so then yeah, that, that's his fault. On him every single you time. If you go zero and fifteen, you have to win one Monday. Night. <laughs> you got a ten game sample size. Yeah. You gotta like, win one. Sir, you I think win the bigger one. the sample size gets, the more it gets put on. Yeah. <laughs> did he give you a stipend or something, Ryan? Uh, he gave Jeez. me a jersey. Yeah. I mean, you got to think this is going to be one of those games where he's going to pop off. Right. And, like, uh, think so. Yeah, so I think it's, it is on him. Right. I mean, he did pop off in Seattle on Monday night, and then his team let him down. Yeah. We. I don't care. <laughs> I'm just playing devil's advocate here. Tears. Tears. Big time tears. But, yeah, do we want to switch on over to the best segment of the history of the game, or do we have more thoughts? No, let's, let's do it. Good. More locks. Um, I can kick things off here. Mortal lock of the week. If you don't take this, I feel sorry for you. I feel sorry for you. I feel sorry for your bank account. And, yeah, pretty much everything um, in your life. It is the Bills. And, mind you, they have announced that they're going to play their starters. The Bills are not going to rest players. They're going to play their starters. So here, Bills are at home with the Jets 
Uh, visiting town, Buffalo favorited by one and a half with their starters. I'm sorry, that Jets team is a joke. As long as they have Adam Gase at the helm, they will be a joke. And yeah, that's all I have to say. Buffalo minus one and a half, more to luck of the week. Take it or leave it. I say you take it. Uh, you should definitely leave that because they're definitely not playing the whole game. I don't care. All they have to do is play the first half, and they're going to beat the Jets. Mm. Yeah, the Jets are trash. I love that. Um, but I'm not going to not gonna double down on that. Oh, you're not going to fade me? No. I'm going to fade your Seahawks pick. Oh. San Francisco minus two and a half. Easiest bet you could ever get. This game is going to be yes. a blowout. Seattle is not they're not that good and they got nobody to play for them san francisco is going to run all over them might be 300 yards rushing and just domination <laughs> Sir. hey if they have 300 rushing yards i'll buy a four to four heard it here nick brown said if the san francisco 49ers have 300 yards rushing he's gonna buy me a four to four uh so the random number generator is looking to bounce back okay dude <laughs> you got a problem with the random number generator? Yes! I love the random number generator. Random number generator is three and three. It's better than you. You're not wrong, but at least I make my own picks. Yeah, and they're stupid. Nah. Bills minus one and a half. Stupid. Smartest pick of the year. Hey, at yeah. least you're not over seven on Mortal Locks. You could be. You could be. You really could. Not on this show. Suck. Well, the random number gonna generator. We'll <laughs> follow his picks. The random number <laughs> generator has decided to go with the Giants plus four and a half over the Philadelphia Eagles. Love that. That's it's that's gonna be a close one. I I, I personally don't feel great about it, but I, I trust the random number generator knows what it's doing here. But for the first time ever, the random number generator has decided to double down and is also going with the Los Angeles Chargers plus nine and a half against the Kansas City Chiefs. That one, highly questionable. We're <laughs> yeah. going to see how that one plays out. All right. Uh, yeah, so speaking last last time we picked, another win for me, KC minus four and a half at Chicago. Like I said, that game was a blowout. That Humble game brag. That was never in doubt. And where are we going again? We're going back to KC, so we just happen to be fading the random bracket ge- number generator. Second random pick. Generator? I love Kansas City minus 9.5 this week at home. They're going to play their starters because they got to win because they could lose that. They could lose the three seed to Houston if uh, Houston wins and they lose. So they're going to play them. They're going to blow up the Chargers. The Chargers lost at home last week to a lowly, lowly, lowly Raiders team. You know how I feel about the Raiders. Right. Raiders got a chance. I am a little worried because Philip Rivers has already fucked me one time this <laughs> season when he took me down to Jacksonville and what? and did me dirty. He did me so dirty in Jacksonville. Jacksonville trash. So I'm a little worried, but I love me some Pat Mahomes minus nine and a half this 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 week. This is Philip Rivers' last game playing for the Chargers. He's done. He's cooked after this. He's already booked a vacation, and he's going to probably have another kid this offseason. He's getting ready for that. Love me some Pat Mahomes and KC, minus nine and a half. Sorry, I didn't know we could cuss on the pod. Yeah. It's the off-air pod. Fuck, shit. Fuck. (laughs)
You literally said not to do that. Well, I, had, I had I had to give him an example. He's the one who asked, so I had to tell him and show him. It's okay. All right, listen. So Ryan kind of cucked me, but he set me up very nicely actually for this. So Giants, you went Giants plus four and a half. I'll take you a step further. Take the Giants straight up money line to win against Philadelphia this weekend. Cowboys. Eagles going for the NFC East Championship. The G-Men are going to cause chaos. Start Saquon Barkley. I'm going to start off the fantasy uh, fantasy love, too. Give me Saquon till I die, but I also hate him because he, 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 he fucked me over. Also, start Danny Dimes. There you go. Love the Giants this week. Well, you're one for two on, on those. Definitely going to be a lot of Saquon Barkley, you know, not owned in leagues. Well, daily fantasy, because now, mm. if your fantasy championship is this week, you're stupid. Sorry. Nick. Yeah, you are stupid if you're playing week 17. If you're still playing week 17, you're fucking trash at fantasy football. Yeah. All right, I'm going to head out. <laughs> but, I mean, if anybody has any daily fantasies, you're welcome to give them, but, I mean. I nope, hate have him fucking with Lamar Jackson this week. He's not playing. Don't start him. Marquise, thank you for that expert analysis. <laughs> Ritu Peck. Also, that. don't yes. start Mark yes. Ingram and Mark Andrews. I don't think they're also playing. Bro. I love that. <laughs> don't start RG3. He might actually start, start RG3. <laughs> <laughs> yes. who, who invited this kid? You're so I don't know. stupid. Alright, I'm going to start with my fantasy love for this nah. week. My fantasy love for this week is Austin Siebert. The oh. kicker for the Cleveland Browns. Oh, right. He has a fantastic, absolutely fantastic matchup at Cincinnati this week. They gave up the fourth most fantasy points to kickers. He, he had 11 against them in their first meeting, and he's only owned in 26% of fantasy leagues. Scoop him up. Easy, double-digit play. If for some reason your league is awful and plays on week 17. All right. I don't have any fantasy love. I just have a word of advice, along with some fantasy hate towards one man and one man only. That man, you should stay away from. I don't care if you can get him for, you know, a fraction of what, you know, other top guys are getting, or guys that are at least kind of in his ballpark area on uh, daily fantasy. <laughs> Philip Lindsay. Stay away from Philip Lindsay, whatever you do, okay? Week 16. Uh, sorry, week 15 against Kansas City, 7 for 32, only 3.2 fantasy points. Garbage, garbage. And a lot of people that they have their, you know, semifinals that week, it's a big week for, for some people. You know, I'm just saying, last week, what does he do? Against the Detroit Lions, 19 for 109, 19.8 points. You know he's going the other way next week. He may give you like 8 or 9, sure, but he's not touching 15, not even coming close to 20. Stay away from Philip Lindsay, whatever you do. Please. I I have no fantasy love. It, I, I'm o I'm over fantasy football right now. Yeah. Man, you know, I'm just gonna go straight to fantasy hate. Fuck you, Jameis Winston, you piece of white garbage white hot garbage. Sir! I hate you so much. Playing the fucking Texans who suck. And you have three straight, you have two straight weeks over 30 fantasy points, and you get fucking 10. You suck. Go off, queen. And, no, oh, fucking DK Metcalf, too. <laughs> Zero catches against the fucking Cardinals, who are the worst team in the league, besides the Bengals? Are you kidding me? 
Buckle off, queen! Done with you! <laughs> Decaf, Metcalf. <laughs> wow. That was refreshing, to say the least. Do you have any fancy hate love, Jonathan? Other um, than uh, sit all your Baltimore players? Yeah, sit all the Baltimore players. I hate... There's a couple players I hate this year, just all throughout the year. Juju Smith-Schuster, garbage. Damian Williams, fucking trash. Okay. David Montgomery, fucking trash. Um, yeah, I mean, that's about it. Yeah, you sound really angry. I'm not that angry. I, I did pull a profit this year in fantasy football, so I'm not I'm not too angry. Well, but congrats. Yeah, you know, humble brag. Man. That is the biggest humble brag of all time. Uh, my, my fantasy hate for this week is Ryan Fitzpatrick. Go fuck yourself. Expert analysis, once again. Saquon, go! Go Dolphins, plus 15 and a half. <laughs> so moving on, uh, we can give our power rankings in the NFL. Um, I don't know who wants to start that off, but I can be the one to do it. That's fine by me. Uh, number five, the New England Patriots. You know? That was a good win against the Bills. That was one of the biggest regular season games in general for the Patriots, I think, in a while. Uh, had a lot of implications. They haven't played on Wild Card Weekend in a decade. A literal decade since 2009. They've been to eight straight conference championships. This was a big game. They showed out. The offense was there. So, Pats at number five. I like them there. Number four, I will give you the Seattle Seahawks. Okay? I know they're banged up. I know they have a lot of issues. I know their offense looks like they're probably going to find themselves in quicksand. I don't know when that's going to happen, but for now, I have them at number four because of Russell Wilson, because that defense, I don't think it's that bad. I think they can figure it out. And the running game, we'll see with Marshawn Lynch. That's a big old question mark. That's why they're number four. And then number three, I'm going to give you the San Francisco 49ers. Um, Again... I think they are the better team uh, right now than the Seahawks are. Although I think the Seahawks are going to beat them this week. I think the Niners right now are the better team. They've proven more. And they could very well be the NFC West champion uh, champions after this week. So 49ers at number three. Number two leaves the New Orleans Saints. Uh, they've just they've been good. I mean, they've been pretty consistent overall. Again, going back to when Drew Brees got hurt. I know it was a while ago, but still... Believe 5-0 with Teddy Bridgewater. It proves how complete of a team they are. And Michael Thomas is a freaking beast. That guy, you literally can't guard Mike. His Twitter handle, can't guard Mike. You can't. Can't do it. So, number one, Baltimore Ravens. I, we, we say it every damn week. They're better than everyone else. Congrats. Congrats. You're good, Lamar Jackson. You're the best. MVP. All right. Um... Number five, uh, for me, making a return to the power rankings, the Patriots. I was impressed by what they did with the Bills, um, the offense at least, and defense. I thought the defense played pretty well other than those couple big plays. Uh, that was a little toss-up between the Pats and the, the Packers for me. The Packers actually look pretty good too. Um, number four, I got the Chiefs. Uh, Mahomes healthy, Tyreek Hill. Kelsey, Damian Williams back, and he played pretty good last week. Um, they're definite threat, and I'm not. Con- I wouldn't be confident about that game when, if they come to Foxborough at all. Uh, three, I got the 49ers. 
I, I love the 49ers, but there's one team in the NFC that's better than them, and that's the Saints right now. Like Dan said, Michael Thomas is a freak. Alvin Kamara finally back fully healthy. He looked good last week. A couple touchdowns. Um, and then number one, Baltimore Ravens. What else can you say? They're nasty. Yeah, um, I got a fairly similar list to the other to the two that I've already spoken. But number five, as Dan and Zach said, I also have the Pats making a return to my uh, power rankings. You know, very impressive win at home, albeit against you know a, a fairly good Buffalo Bills team. You know, nothing nothing special, but a solid you know playoff team. You know, you gotta do what you could do against them. Good seeing the offense start humming. Number four. I got San Francisco just eking out a win against the Rams, but, you know, just win, baby. That's all you got to do. Defense has looked a little suspect the last few weeks, I will say that. Um, But the offense has been humming along. Uh, George Kittle looks healthy now. He's a little banged up, although he was putting up good good stats. Um, He was a little banged up throughout the middle of the season. Looks healthy now. Number three, I got Kansas City. I had them here last week. I'm keeping them here this week. They rolled over a trash Bears team. But, I mean, they're cooking. They look like their defense is very much improved from the beginning of the season. The offense is humming along. They're getting healthy at the right time, so I got them at three. Number two, I got New Orleans. That's already been said before. Michael Thomas, unbelievable. Really impressive win. New Orleans at Tennessee. I was worried last week. I said it. I want to see them outside the Dome. They put a good win on the road outside the Dome. Good for them. And then number one, I mean, obviously the Ravens. I mean, they just cook. They cook every team they've, they've played over the past, you know, three months. It's it's unbelievable. So number five for me, I've got the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, I, I want to echo what Dan said. Uh, I'm not ready to just drop them straight out of the rankings. I had them at two for the last couple of weeks. Uh, the injuries and the loss to the Cardinals, uh, Kyler Murray-less Cardinals, mind you, uh, is obviously a big concern, but I want to see what the offense looks like without when the running game looks like without all their their key players in it running back before I make any harsh judgments on them. At number four, I've got San Fran. Uh, pretty good win against the Rams, but they've already beaten them before. Uh, it was a nice game-winning drive they had at the end there uh, on Saturday night, um, but uh, I'm. I'm still not sold on Jimmy G as uh, like a, a game changer. Uh, I got New Orleans at number three. Uh, yeah, double-digit win on the road out in the cold weather of Tennessee. Uh, nice to see them make a, a comeback after spotting the Titans a 14-0 lead. Uh, I got the Chiefs at number two. They're they're on a roll. They're 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 balling. Mahomes has got everything going, and if the defense does what they did against the Bears, I know the Bears suck on offense, but if they are able to keep teams and keep other opposing offenses in check, uh, yikes! Uh, yeah, Ravens number one. Yeah, I mean, there's not much more. The Ravens are just clear cut number one. They're gonna be until they fall, and they're not gonna fall until maybe the playoffs. So. We'll just have to see. But I think that does it for our NFL talk and Patriots talk, power rankings, fantasy, love and hate, mortal locks of the week, as always. And, yeah, we can move on now to MLB offseason talk. Um, 
I don't know who wants to lead us off here, but I'll start off by saying this. The Arizona Diamondbacks signed Madison Bumgarner to the deal that the Red Sox should not have signed uh, Nathan Uvalde. Uh, pretty much the same deal, very similar, around like 17 per. I think Bumgarner's is a year longer than Uvalde's. Regardless, the Red Sox overpaid for that guy, and the pitching market right now, uh, they can't even do anything with it because they've locked themselves, they've hamstrung themselves to David Price, Chris Sale, you name it, Uvalde, and that's just my, my initial thought. I just wanted to get that out there. I'm, I'm pissed off that how poorly they've handled uh, their finances overall. They're going to miss out on a guy like Madison Bumgarner for the same amount of money that you're paying Nathan Uvalde. Unacceptable. Bullshit. Just bullshit. I hate it. Uh, my biggest thing from the MLB offseason so far, obviously a bunch of big big name signings, is that Chicago White Sox are going to win that division. <laughs> they are going to win that division. They are going to be good this year. Sign Encarnacion, Keuchel, Gio Gonzalez. They traded for Nomar Mazzara. Uh, they re-signed Abreu. Signed y- Yasmani Grandal. That team is going to watch out for the White Sox this year, which is a <laughs> weird thing to say because they've been bottom feeders pretty much ever since they went to that World Series. Watch out for the Chicago White Sox this year. Tim Anderson had a, had a career yeah. year last year for them. Moncada. Moncada was playing good. well at yeah. third. I mean, Lucas Giolito. Like, they got they got some pitching now. Yeah. Uh, if you get Kopech back, yep. uh, they had some young guys in Lopez and uh, Dylan. Ronaldo. Renal- Ronaldo Lopez and yeah. Dylan, I don't know his last yeah. name. But they had some good, promising uh, young guys pitch well last year. They put it together in addition to all these guys they brought in. and They brought in James McCann, too, yep. as a backup catcher who had a solid year uh, last year. <laughs> they should be the frontrunners for the Central, especially if the Indians continue to just offload everything. Well, what about Minnesota? I mean, they won the division last year. No, they didn't. They were in the wild card game. Were they in the wild card game? Yeah. They played the, uh, oh, yeah, they, yeah, they played the Yankees oh, they in the wild card game. They beat the Rays. In the... Okay. Wait. Yeah. They, Cleveland, Cleveland won the NL Central last year? Or Minnesota? Cleveland. Oh, I thought Minnesota did. No, they played the Walker game. Yeah, then Minnesota they got smoked the by the Yankees game. and the yes. DS. Okay. They beat the Rays in the Walker game. Congrats. Yeah. Are you a Twins fan? I might be. Who are, you, who are you banking on? Look, the Twins were a great story last year. Yeah. That's not going to happen again. They cannot match for the amount of home runs that they hit, and no. they're not going to get the same caliber of pitching from the guys that they had last year. That's just, they'll be scratching. They'll be like an 85 win team, the way they are constructed right now. Um, I think uh, a low-key, uh, the Blue Jays adding Hyun Jin Ryu is mm-hmm. not a bad addition, as well as Tanner Roark. So they've improved their pitching. If they get guys like Strom, uh, they traded Stroman. Uh, Aaron Sanchez back going full strong that's a solid staff in and of its own uh i do like mad bum to the d-backs for that for that value but i don't think he really moves the needle for them so to speak i, I still think even with adding a guy like colt calhoun they're, they're still not there yet um i think my biggest takeaway like 
is, uh, in my opinion, it's a questionable signing with Zach Wheeler to the Phillies for five one eighteen million. That's a big contract. That's a big contract for someone who's got an ERA career ERA that pushes four. He's already had Tommy John surgery that knocked him out for two years. He has a long injury history. Besides that, he can't, he's coming off a season where he had a, a about a four ERA. I mean, yes, he pitched the, had the most. He almost pitched two hundred innings. But his ERA was almost four. I, I, I don't – he doesn't even project to be their, their ace. Uh, I, I think it's a bit of a reach. I realize you can never have enough pitching, but that's 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 a head – for me, that's a head scratcher. I think with the way things went last year, after you, after you sign Harper and you don't even make the playoffs and then you watch the Nationals go win the World Series, they just felt wanted desperate. to sign – Yeah, felt desperate and yeah. just needed to sign somebody – Wheeler's got talent. He just hasn't been able to put together like the stuff for a full year. I agree. The signing of Didi Gregorius definitely helps them, but you also don't know if that w- was like a fluke because he was never really a good hitter until he went to the Yankees. Yeah, with a two ninety porch. Yeah, Philly. It's not much different. I think right. it's like a two two ninety porch, just a little bit higher up. But I don't know. Uh, he's. The Phillies are trying, but I don't. I still don't think either of those moves are enough. Dylan Batances was a nice signing by the Mets. Yeah, yeah that's that's big. Take him from the Yankees too. I mean, I yeah. don't know how willing they were to really negotiate with him, but for the Mets, great pickup. I mean, yeah, Porcello. Who knows what they're gonna get with him? But they got to make some moves. I mean, you got to try to move the needle. Uh, well, Porcello is not gonna move a needle. Yeah, Porcello is just probably a- not. But at least in the NL, like. I'll, I'll give Porcello this. He's he going <laughs> he, he's going to the NL where traditionally the hitting is not quite to the same par as the AL. And he did win a Cy Young in the fluke. AL. Was a fluke, I know. But I'm just going to say he's not going to be as bad in the NL um, with the Mets than he was this past year with the Red Sox. I think he's going to you know, sort of uh, rise to the mean there. But And then another good, obviously, acquisition for the Rangers, uh, Corey Kluber. The Indians, I don't know why they're unloading, but it seems like a head-scratcher to me. I don't know why they're resetting everything all of a sudden when they have good talent on that team. But, yeah, I'm not sure. And a good manager, too. I mean, I don't know. I'm not sure what the, the motive is there. But And then I've heard, I don't know if this has changed in the past couple days, but last I heard, you know, Price and the Angels, uh, the Angels are reportedly interested in Price. Please. Uh, which would be my favorite scenario out of any of them for David Price, would be the Angels. Just help them improve any way possible. We said it last week and the week before, I think, about how that team needs to improve. They already have. Maybe they go out and get some pitching help. But also, Price to the back to the Blue Jays was rumored too, but that's probably not happening now because they, they signed... Uh, um, Rio. Rio, Rio yeah. right, yep. And he was a Cy Young candidate last yeah. year. He was a Cy Young finalist, so you're probably going to get legit pitching out of him next year, too, which helps the Blue Jays' case. They got young talent, might as well help them out, right? Yeah, they signed Travis Shaw, too. Yep. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, Shaw former, back in the division. Former Red Sox. He's back. Dude hits a bunch of bombs, you know? Yeah. Uh, I, I like what the Braves have yeah. at least done so far. It's it'll, it'll suck if they don't aren't able to bring back Josh Donaldson, but they've brought in Cole Hamels. They brought in Will Smith. And Travis Darnard. Darno. Darno. I always get Darnold. 
Maybe that's where I get my Darnold. Darnold. But that's starting pitching help. That's relieving help. Yep. And that's catching help, which they needed all of. They were starting Kurt Suzuki uh, <laughs> as like a like legit like every three days. Uh, so he's if he can stay, if Travis Darnold can stay healthy, he'll be good. Um, but I, they do got to bring back uh, Josh Johnson. If they don't, look for them to really push the Cubs for Chris Bryant. Oh. I would not. I don't want to see Chris Bryant go from the Cubs, dude. I don't think anyone does, but except like, for you know maybe a White Sox fan or a Cardinals. It's fan. their Mookie Betts situation, except I yeah. don't think I think it's more so on them. I feel like Bryant is probably more like or would be more willing to stay with the Cubs yeah. than Mookie is with the Red Sox. But if I'm a Cubs fan, I'm throwing my arms up. We just won a World Series a few years ago for the first time in over a hundred years. Mm-hmm. What are you doing, yeah. Rickman? You really? bum. Their, their finances are even worse than us, believe it or not. Still, you know, it, it's just tough to see. when Because they, they even, back in 2016 when they had Bryant, they even used that, that little loophole where, you know, they, they waited to start him or to oh, bring, bring him, him up, up yeah. in, the, in April so that yeah. they'd have as much control as possible, and they're not even going to bring him back. It's just ridiculous, man. I hate seeing shit like that. You know, whether it's the Red Sox or the Cubs, you just developed a superstar, and you're just going to let him go. Mm -hmm. Bullshit. Anyways. Uh, I think the best signing overall, in my opinion, was Anthony Rendon. Mm -hmm. I think the, like, you pair him with Trout and Otani in that lineup, doesn't matter where in the lineup you put those three, even whether they're spread out a little bit or not, that, that makes the lineup very dangerous you can fill it in around them um and and it did need some life uh in that just having those two especially with otani being injured in and out of the lineup uh you you liked how albert pujos had sort of like a a miniature renaissance Mm -hmm. last year but you can't bank on that anymore and they don't really have much in terms of of really threats in the lineup Tommy LaStella had a, a decent year. I think he was pushing for an all-star game before he got hurt. And then Andrew Simmons is just a glove. Yeah. So nobody really – Justin Upton is – or B.J. Upton, which one? Justin Upton, yep. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was Just, interesting they got rid of Cole Calhoun that, or let Cole Calhoun go. Yeah. Because he, he hit like 30 bombs last he, year. He had a very good year. So, I mean, if you have him in like the five, five, six hole with him in pool holes after those three guys that you just named, scary. That's scary. pretty good. I mean, yeah. Cole Calhoun coming into the year, we didn't really think much of, and then he hits yeah. 30 something bombs. Like, yeah, he was like a solid role player, mm-hmm. and then he, he proved himself. Are they, uh, once like Otani, I don't know if he's 100% now, is he going to go back to being a hybrid? Or, he should. Yeah. I don't see why they wouldn't. Because if, if that Tommy John was kind of bound to happen no matter what, I want to see the full potential of him. Pitching and hitting, because I think, I think there's a real potential there that he could, you know, be elite at both. And yeah. It, yeah, from the from the stuff we've seen, he's got dirty stuff on the mound. Yeah, mm-hmm. and we saw last year that he can hit. Oh, for he sure, he can really hit. Oh yeah, and they need him on both sides. Yes, they do. <laughs> he's, he's arguably their best starter. Yeah, and he he's probably at the moment their third best hitter. Yeah. he might he might be one of the most fun players to watch. If he's healthy through all of 2020, for sure. Just because of that that novelty, you know, we don't see that kind of stuff, you know, in major league these days. Nobody plays that way. No, I mean we get excited when Granky's out there hitting and stuff, and Bumgarner hits a home run. Then you get this guy who's gonna go out 
pitch and then hit the next four days. Like that's it's crazy, yeah. unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So as far as favorite moves, Ryan, as you mentioned, I'd say that's like right up there with it. But I'd say this might be a boring pick, but the Strasburg signing might be one of my favorites, uh, right up there. Like, yeah, do they? You know, dump a boatload of money to him. Yeah, is he gonna live up to the to the contract? Probably not. Most guys don't. But they just won the World Series. How often do you see uh, guys go into their free agency after winning a World Series and they don't come back with that team? Going back to Pedro back in '04. There's a lot more recent ones, but that's one that just sticks way out and where he got paid by the Mets. And Strasburg stays with the Nationals. I honestly didn't think he was going to. Just like my own opinion, but I'm glad he did. I'm glad that they're able to at least keep one of those two guys back when they were so hyped up back in 08, 09, 2010 when Strasburg made his debut. I just think that, you know, good for the Nationals. You were able to keep one of those two studs that were so hyped for a while in that organization. So good on them. That's probably my favorite. Yeah. I think people are going to realize how good Anthony Rendon is now that he's leaving Washington, and they're going to miss him a ton this yeah. year. Yeah, they will. They 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 definitely will, but if they were able to, you know, keep, you know, anybody from that, you know, in free agency, I'm glad they were able to keep Strasburg because he really turned it on in the playoffs. He was he was filthy, he was absolutely filthy. So at least they got one guy. They got one guy. I'll take that. And the Red Sox have been pretty quiet so far, but we know... Predictably. Yeah, understandably. They've brought in Martin Perez to replace Porcello, and they brought in Jose Peraza to replace Brock Holt. So it's like, guys that... You don't want to lose Holt, but you know he's going to get paid. Somebody's gonna, somebody is going to step up and pay the man, because he had a, a great season last year. He's already a former All-Star. He can play pretty much anywhere in the field. He has a lot of value. A lot of value. He's the best ut- probably utility player in MLB. Yeah. 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 Can't name another one. Yeah. And so I mean, it used to be Ben Zobris. Now they get, he's getting a little old. So. Yeah. Peraza is good, though. He's, he's solid. He's solid. He He's going to fill in for the Brock Holt role. Obviously, you can't replace chemistry with him and JD mm-hmm. and the hugs. That was... <laughs> no, that's so sad. Yeah. Who's JD going to yeah. hug? I don't know. Oh, I don't. Ben that's Tendi. a great Benny, but Benny Benny's a little big though. <laughs> he will thick. He's a little thick. Yeah. I mean, I Mookie's know. nice and small, but I don't see Mookie hugging. Yeah. No, yeah. Mookie would be like, no, just look the other way. But yeah, I don't really know what the Sox could do. Obviously, try to shed payroll, but it really yeah. just comes down to do they want to move their their big. Uh, contracts, <laughs> whether it be price or sale or please bets. sale, please just move that contract. You're way more likely to get someone to take on Price's contract than sale. Right. Well, it's sale just... has the worst contract in the whole league, so I can't point. Besides the price. Nope. <laughs> Regardless, each day that passes, it just makes it that much harder to get value from any of them, especially bets. Yeah. So, I if there are going to trade one or more of them, they better do it sooner rather than later. Because if they wait till the last second, it's gonna it's gonna bite them in the ass. Yeah, and I, I remember the sale trade. At least you know the Red Sox acquiring sale happened. I'm pretty sure it was like mid late December. That nah, happened at the beginning. I was still in. I was. Are still you in, sure? I was in. Oh, class. maybe maybe it was I was the in price class when they traded. Maybe it was the price so. signing that was. 
They traded for sale like the at worst okay. the second week of well, December. Right. Maybe I'm just getting the price acquisition and trade and sale mixed up. Regardless, I mean we've seen a lot of transactions happen in the MLB far later than we are now. JD Martinez, namely, yeah. that was a signing, albeit, but still. I don't know. You're right, Ryan. Like the longer it goes, uh, the more likely we're to see a price sale Mookie on this team going forward. And honestly, we're, I'm getting to the point. I think I mentioned this last week. I'm getting to the point where just keep them. If you're not going to get a very fair deal, just keep everybody. And if Mookie walks, if you offer him a legit number that is market value right there with everyone else, and he doesn't take it, so be it. But at least make the effort, the full-fledged effort. If you trade Mookie Betts this sh- before the season starts, they don't have a chance to probably make the playoffs. No. We well, have the best division, probably they could, baseball. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you were saying the the Blue Jays are, are looking up. Yeah. For crying out loud. They're looking better. Yeah. They're not worse. And I mean, the the Yankees obviously are nasty. The Rays, the Rays, Rays are, are good, too. Yeah. So. Orioles are still the worst team in baseball, yeah. but, yeah. you know, they you have only four get, legit like, teams. Yeah. You only get 18 games against yeah. them. So. Yeah. If they're anything like they were last year, the Red Sox, they'll probably lose a fair amount of games to the freaking Orioles, for all we know. I mean, like, the offense, I'm not that worried about in general. Even if Mookie goes, yes, I will be worried, but my biggest concern is still the pitching, uh, ultimately. Just if they're going to figure it out or not. Because if Sale is what he was last year, dude, it's just it makes that signing look tenfold worse. Because... At least right now, you can kind of say, oh, maybe, you know, it was the program. Maybe, you know, it was just whatever. He's got to get a, just a different offseason workout program or pitching program, whatever it is. Maybe it's that. You can kind of still play devil's advocate with it. But if he has a second straight season that is like last year, he's in the fours. He's having these terrible outings that he can barely get to the third inning. And he's letting up a bunch of runs. Yeah, I... Man, it'll just make that 20 times worse. Same thing with Evaldi, man. Evaldi. <laughs> that guy, I mean, after the playoff run, I was so in love with him, and man, did he put up a stinker of a year last year. Oh, yeah. That, I think you were dealing with a lot of recency bias when you signed yeah. that contract. Yep. Which is, it happens, but, you know, you got to think rationally, even after you win a World Series. Yeah, and they didn't, and then again, like I said at the start of the segment, Bumgarner basically got the same AAV. And I would much rather him than Ubaldi, to say the least. <coughs> but, yeah, I don't have too much more on the offseason in general. Other than that, Bloom, figure it out. Just, that's all I got for you, bro. Figure it out. It has been a much faster-moving um, offseason than last year. Yeah, yeah Everything absolutely. was really slow last year, and nobody was getting signed, and then... At the winter meetings, you had Strasburg, Cole, Rendon, all figure it out. So Right. If that anything else, that's good for the rest of the free agents. Yep. So we can definitely segue on now. Uh, obviously, we have other stuff like the NBA we can touch on, as well as the Bruins. Um, but we can go on to the Celtics right now, if we'd like. Um, they win on Christmas Day against the Raptors, which uh, which was good. You saw a great performance from Jalen Brown. I'll say this right off the bat. That Jalen Brown game was by far my favorite. 
the way he was able to create his own shot and not like a stupid shot. You know, I think there's been times in the past where he's it, it like looks like he can create his own shot, but he ultimately just makes it more difficult on himself. Kind of like in my mind, what Kyrie Irving does at times, he makes it more difficult sometimes by just trying to paint a you know a, a picture on a piece of canvas. But Brown, his footwork I think has improved so much. I think you saw it with his mid range play. He was so working so well around the top of the key, and you know, little fadeaways, little hop step. And just he was able to fake out the defenders in a way that I've never seen him be able to do with his shot creating, which is something you get paid twenty five plus million dollars to do in the NBA. And not only was that, I mean, he was just crossing people up left oh. and right, and, and, pa- and passing too. He, was, he yeah. was passing the ball actively. And he, I'm he I'm really starting to fall in love with like his step back fadeaway. Like, I oh, pre- yeah. prefer him not to take the fade so much, but when he drives, gets the defense to be on their heel, defender on his heels, he's able to create space and just pull up, and it's just an automatic bucket every single time when it's within 12 to 18 feet. Oh. Yo. Fuck off. You guys just gonna sit there and stare. Yep. Forever? Clean that. The longer, the longer you take, the, the, the sooner, like the sooner we come over there and beat your ass. Oh yeah. Okay, bud. Yeah. Okay, bud. All right. Uh, yeah. So Ryan, are you going or you want me? Are you continuing or? No. Yeah, Jalen Brown, really, really good yesterday. He's taking a leap. Um, you know, I got told on this show. By Nick and by Zach. Zach, I his opinion about basketball, I know he's trolling. But Nick, when I said Jalen Brown was playing like an all star this year, I was I was basically laughed off the show by Nick, who said it was ridiculous. But I don't think it's that ridiculous now to say he's playing like an all star. I mean, he's averaging over twenty points a game. He's got career highs basically across the board. He is playing like he's playing like an all star. I mean, as simple as that. The Celtics. Should realistically have three All-Stars this year, Kemba, Tatum, and Brown, um, in a watered-down Eastern Conference. And it's just becoming more and more obvious by the day that it's time to build around the Jays. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, do not trade these pieces, you know, for a big man help. I wouldn't, I'm past the point of even, you know, Cat, Carl Anthony Towns. I don't think I would trade Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. It's proving that not only are they getting better and they're getting good, but they don't mind playing with each other and they like each other, which is crucial in the NBA because you saw what can happen when a team doesn't like each other even when they have all the talent in the world with last year's Celtics. And to find two guys that are just ascending. And I would say Jalen Brown has been, of the two Jays, while they've both been very impressive this year, I would say Tatum has, his peaks have been higher but Jalen Brown's consistency is so much better. He is consistently – Tatum puts up stinkers. Like, he put up a stinker shooting the ball the other night. He's put up a couple really bad games shooting the ball. Brown is consistent. He's always hovering right around 50% from the field, so a lot of times even higher than that. He's getting to the line. He's hitting free throws, which is so impressive. And his passing has been 
a lot better lately. He had a couple games with five assists. And Tatum, too, had six assists yesterday. So it's just very impressive to see the Jays sharing the ball, moving the ball. And not only are they scoring more points, but they're getting more assists, which is very impressive to me because they're playing together as a unit and they're feeding off each other, which should make you feel very good about the Celtics going forward because they have Jalen Brown wrapped up for four more years. His contract, dare I say, is looking like it could be under market for what he's going to be worth in the next <laughs> okay. four years. All right, that's, <laughs> let's, let's pause it there. But, that's, that's where I'm going to draw the line. But it's... P- Potential. Way too early to Tatum, be making those Tatum statements. obviously will sign the max in the offseason, but I you can't not be happy about the way the Celtics are looking, especially when you look across the Eastern Conference. I mean the Bucks had a long winning streak, but like there's no one playing, you know, there's no one in the Eastern Conference that you're like, wow, there's no chance the Celtics can beat them. Well, I think though the Bucks are that team. I, I don't think they can beat the Bucs in a seven-game series. But it's weird. So if you go down the standings, right? So you got the Bucks up top. I don't think the Celtics can beat them. Well, let me let me like I, I don't know if they can hang in a seven game. I think they could make it close. I think it could go to seven. But I, I don't I don't know. You you put them against if you put the Sixers against the Bucks. I think the Sixers <laughs> kill. Them. So. And then, but if you put the Heat against the Sixers, the Heat kill them. It's just like it's just a circle of life where one team has each other's numbers, right? And, and the so Celtics would cook the Heat. Exactly, the exactly. Yeah. So it just comes down to the matchups, and so this is this is a year where the seedings are just going to be super important. Whoever gets home court, yeah, it'll mean something that top seed. But if you get stuck playing a four seed in the second round that you don't match up well against. Like if the Buc- if the Sixers end up as the four and the Bucks stay at one, you praying for that. You as were a praying for fan. that as a Celtics fan. Um, but back to the Celtics, I I can't really argue the Brown take right now. Uh, he really is playing on an All Star caliber level. Over the past month, he's averaging twenty one points, seven rebounds, three assists on fifty six percent from the field, and he's like a two, maybe a three guard. Yeah, like. Versatile defender, too. He's defending well, too. Very, very good defensively. Tatum is arguably our second best defender. Tatum has taken... Tatum is, if not above, is an above-average defender. Yeah, he has taken leaps and bounds defensively. And Tatum himself is averaging 22-8-3 on 42%, which the 42% Would is, like it to be higher, right, but right. also... I think he's still trying to figure out a lot of his woes from last yeah. year. So some of the corrections that he's trying to mm-hmm. make to his game are resulting in some more like volume scoring. Yeah. But some of the late game stuff that he's <laughs> been able to do is mm-hmm. is very impressive. And Kemba has been as good as you could hope, I think, thus far. Um, he's not gonna, you know, look the same on the court as Kyrie. But I think culturally, it's it Leaps makes an impact. Mm-hmm. Leaps and bounds. Right. Yeah. Tatum is, has been just more, like it's like Jonathan said the the consistency is is the thing that he needs to improve on on the offensive end because he he has everything else start he's starting to figure out everything else that he didn't have figured out it's just he's got to get the offensive consistency down and avoid those stinkers but Kemba himself is averaging twenty four three six assists on forty seven percent field goal per, uh, percent shooting over the past month. That's like so close to Kyrie's numbers last year. O- over the past month, those three guys averaging over twenty one points. Yeah, only 
only team in the NBA with three guys over 20, 20. points yeah. this year. And Hayward's not far behind. Yeah. He's he's looked okay since he came back. 14 points, four rebounds, five assists on 58% shooting uh, in the four games since he's he's been in and out of the lineup. Uh, but if he if you if you can get him playing and averaging 17, 18 a game like he has been on the season and, and being a, a solid, not great, not even really good, just solid defender, that gives you four quality guys that you can just rotate. In an, you don't have to have them all on the floor at the same time in, in the stretch long stretches. You can have only two of them on the, in the, on the court to just to keep things afloat. And I think that's what you're starting to see. Brad has been figuring out the lineups, and he's finding a way to cover up the weaknesses. We talked about the Anus Kanner signing and how he's, him and Kemba are such defensive liabilities in pick and roll. And, yes, that has been exploited. Teams are looking to exploit that, but they're, they're finding ways to cover it up by playing just great help defense. You, you saw it on multiple occasions in that Toronto game where you had a, a, one of the Jays sliding over being in the right place at the right time and forcing turnovers because the player that was running the, the pick and roll and got, got through Canner didn't know what to do when the next man up stepped up to help out mm-hmm. and just ended up throwing it away instead of finding that open man. And if you can force teams to have to make that those extra decisions and force them into turnovers and cover up those liabilities, that's going to just help them. Just leaps and bounds. Exponentially, down it will help them for sure. And like you said with Hayward, he's only played in about half the games this season. He's only played in 12 games, and he's shooting 56%. I love that. Like, yeah, he's not going to be the best three-point shooter in the world, but he hangs around that mid-range, and that's his bread and butter for sure, right right around the, the elbows. I mean, he basically can't miss from there. Yeah. Right, and you're also going to bring, bring back <clears throat> Marcus Smart, who I would say... Although he gets a lot of you know crap put on him for his shooting woes, rightfully show, rightfully so, I would say he's an he's obviously an elite switching defender, which gives you is good, and he's also I would say an above average playmaker on the offensive end. He can handle the ball. He's pretty good at passing and whatnot. So that's just another guy that you can have you know rotating in and facilitating the ball off the bench. So you know, like you said, you're not. It's not like you have a starters come in and then they all leave and you have a bench unit and you get exploited by your bench unit. Mm-hmm. Like you said, Stevens is really managing the, you know the um, the, lineups. the lineups and whatnot so as to give the Celtics an advantage per se when you know these other teams that only have one or two guys like when we talk about the Bucks right when Giannis comes off the floor the Bucks aren't going to be as good but as the mm-hmm. Celtics they have so many guys that are good. They have no one that is great. I would. That's how I would describe yeah. it, and that can be an advantage if everyone's playing well. Yeah, it's it. It can be a disadvantage when you absolutely have to have a go-to right. basket at late in the game. But if Tatum can take that step, like you've he's, you mentioned, he's Dan, the one that has to be that guy. Yeah, if he can be the late game sort of clutch guy that we've seen on a couple of occasions so far in his career, then that's that's huge. I think Kemba could be that guy too, but it, it it's tough in the late game stretch because you put a, a six foot three, he's six foot four yeah. guy on him. He's gonna have to get a running start, or he's gonna have to just start way back to to have that space to pull up. And he's good at creating space off the dribble, 
but I think Tatum needs to be that guy. They've been they've won eight of their last ten, so they're playing well. And it's not like they've been playing cupcakes either. They've beaten the Heat. They've beaten the Nuggets. They won at Dallas, Sands, Luca, but still impressive nonetheless. <laughs> and they just won in Toronto for like the first time in like four or five years. The yeah. first time in the Brad Stevens era. Just mind-boggling. Yeah. But that's that's four wins against or second time. Excuse me, second time in the, they're two and eleven, I believe in Toronto. Yeah. During that was Jalen Brown's first win in Toronto ever. <laughs> yeah. It's just like the last time they won in Toronto was twenty fifteen. Yeah. So. I mean, finally they got that monkey off the back, um, but it, it, it's gonna it's gonna be interesting to see how they handle themselves over the next month because they play only four teams in their next seventeen that are over five hundred. They're playing bunnies. They're they playing should clean up. They should clean up on these teams, and they have to clean up on these teams because, as you said, Ryan, they for them to make a legit legit run. In my eyes, they have to be the two seed. Yeah, I think that mm. I think yeah. that Milwaukee is going to be the one seed. They have a pretty sizable advantage right now. They're yeah. probably not four gonna, game lead. Yeah, they're probably not going to slow down, especially with the trash that's in the Eastern Conference. And they're not going to slow down anytime soon because Milwaukee also has Cupcake City coming up. Right. They only play two teams in their next fifteen that are above five hundred. Right. So it's going to be tough for the Celtics to make up ground on the Bucks. Uh, so they've got to be looking. You don't want to look to sort of stay afloat, but you don't. You definitely don't want to hand away games against these bottom teams. <coughs> when the Bucks themselves probably won't be doing that. Right, and I will say in the Celtics' defense, though, they have been good. They, ha- mm-hmm. I believe, they've only lost one game this year to a team below five hundred, and that was that Black Friday game at Brooklyn. Um, no, no, Sacramento. Oh, they lost to Sacramento. Sacramento. Yeah, 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 yeah. Brooklyn's above 500 yeah, now. but they also aren't that good. No. But I believe Sacramento and Brooklyn are really the only two games they've lost this year where you were like, wow, that team is bad. Like, you should beat them every single time you play. Yeah. So I will say the Celtics, unlike last year, this is impressive because that says to me that they're coming out every night and competing, which is a, definitely a positive. Yeah, that's pretty much how they were pre-Kyrie. Right. Is that... No matter what, even if they lost, they were still going to at least put out the effort. They weren't going to check out. They weren't going to just not show up to really any games. I can't, you know, there's not many that that happened and if it happened at all. So obviously they have guys that are, you know, a good group of guys, a good mix of guys that are willing to put out that effort every night because there's a lot of guys, It's you know, there's a culture of the NBA of coasting, load management, whatever it is. I mean, that happens all over the league, and it's always refreshing to see teams like this Celtics team kind of emulate the opposite of that because, you know, it's it's good. It's good. They, they should be out there every night putting out an honest effort because if they do, it's going to help them overachieve a little bit and inflate their win total, which, like you said, Jonathan, they need. They need to be a two seed. They need as much home court advantage as they can have throughout the playoffs because ultimately they probably won't have it in the um, – Eastern Conference Finals if they do get there. So, yeah. yeah. And I mean, I'm just looking at the Eastern Conference right now, and just the two seed is going to be so vital for the Celtics to get because I'm looking at this. You have six teams in the Eastern Conference which are 21 and 10 or better in Milwaukee, Boston, Miami, Philly, Indy, and Toronto. And all six of these teams, if you're the three seed, you're going to have to play one of them in the beginning or the four seed or whatever. 
they're three all, through six, they're all gonna to give you. They're all gonna give you, you know, a legit series. I I would say, you know, I don't. Would I pick the Celtics against all these teams, all those teams I mentioned, besides maybe Philly? Yes, I would. But Toronto, when they get Siakam back, and Toronto, albeit they won yesterday, but that has been a house of horrors for the Celtics. That series could easily be that classic, you know, whoever. home team wins every single game, and whoever has home court wins. Indiana, the Celtics have struggled against them. They lost in Indiana, and Indiana's going to get Victor Oladipo back too, so that mm-hmm. worries me a little bit. And then Philly, Miami, obviously. But if you're the two seed, you're going to have either Brooklyn, who they're probably the way it looks right now. I don't think Kyrie's coming back this year. I think they're I think they're shutting him down. Um, Wouldn't or he me. he either they're either going to shut him down or two, which is probably the more likely thing, is that he knows they can't compete for a championship. And one, he doesn't want to play because he is a weirdo. And two. He doesn't want to play the Celtics in the playoffs because if he loses, he will get roasted for it. <laughs> and he does, just doesn't want to do that. <laughs> or he'll play the eight seed, which is Orlando, who stinks, or Charlotte, who's even worse. I mean, if you're the two seed, you coast yeah, in the The in top the two seeds have an essential that's a, that's a huge, huge advantage. It is. Whereas if you're the three seed, you gotta you're, play somebody you're playing someone every round. Every round. Yep. I mean, Brooklyn could, like, make it, like, a somewhat of a series. Like, they that's stole ge- game that's, one. That's a gentleman's, or yeah. six games max. Like, they stole game one against Philly last year, and then they just <laughs> got their ass handed to them right. four straight. So, right. I could totally see something like that right. happening. Same with, same with the Magic stole game one in Toronto last year, and then <laughs> the Browns won the championship. That was even more of a fluke. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that just it's just so imperative that they get that top two seed, and... At the moment, they've got the inside track. Now, yep. do we think that the Heat are like Eastern Conference champion, like caliber? No, no, I think they're win total as constructed. They got a really, no. a really under the radar, could be looking at most improved this year player in Bam Abadayo. Oh, He's playing out of his mind this year. If if you've been watching him and. Unf- I have because he's on my fantasy yeah, team. Yeah, he's a stud. Uh, he's just the the entire offense runs through. Right, him. he's yeah. averaging almost five assists. He, he they just have him set up in the high post, yeah. like on the elbow practically, and they just run ball screens and and all sorts of off ball screens, and he just either drives or hands off <laughs> or finds the open guy. And if if none of those are available, he just does it himself. Right, and, and they and they have a killer. In, in Jimmy Butler, as we know, and that guy has done that guy has cooked the Celtics in the past at times. So I I would worry about Miami. Are they a threat in the Eastern Conference? No, I still have them definitely a notch below Milwaukee, prob definitely a notch below Philly, and definitely a notch below the Celtics. But they're probably the fourth best team in the Eastern Conference, and they've been pretty good. They got a, a decent roster, but. I you think know. they're I think they're one move away from at least giving themselves a, a fighting chance against those top tier teams. Uh, I don't know if a guy like Kevin Love it makes that difference, but they they need a shot in the arm somewhere. They've been playing very well for yeah. what they were expected to do. Yeah, this they just year. got Dragic back too from. Uh... I know he's a little washed, but he's still soft. But if that's your backup point guard, right? There's that's nothing to sneeze at. Yeah, right. and uh, I mean it seems like Butler. Is actually in a place that he's enjoying himself too. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously with the T Wolves, he had that infamous practice, and then with the Sixers, 
I mean, he just never seemed to gel with those young guys the way yeah. uh, he looks like he's he's happy as a clam down in uh, <laughs> South Beach. I mean, seriously. Yeah. He, but yeah, if, if they could if they could get another B B B plus player, that would put him right there. I yeah. think with everyone else, or at least contending. Yeah, because the way Kendrick Dunn or Kendrick Nunn has been playing, he's good. He's he's been playing some legit ball for them. So they've got like the guard situation on lock. Uh, you just need guys like Duncan Robinson and Justice Winslow. Winslow's to, hurt. Uh, I know he's hurt, uh, but you need the guys like that to continue to step up and improve and, and grow as players and, and be contributors on a, on a nightly basis if you want to give yourself a fighting chance in this Eastern Conference. Yeah, I definitely an ups, upstart team. It will be interesting to see, you know, they got, they're playing um, – Indiana at home tomorrow, so that's a good game. See how they do in that. And, yeah, I mean, but the Celtics own the tiebreaker with them right now. They're 1-0, which I believe is huge. And it's also imperative that the Celtics keep winning because they're 0-2 against Philadelphia. And yeah. so they're three up on them in the loss column. But, obviously, if they end up tied, Philly owns a tiebreaker by a lot right now. So mm-hmm. they need, they need, need, need to beat up on this low competition, which... I have no reason not to believe they they shouldn't. They mm. should. They're playing the Cleveland Cavaliers tomorrow. They should. You should be having another taco game tomorrow. Hundred percent. You, sh- you should be having another taco game if he's active um, against a trash Cleveland team. Yeah, G League. Yeah, literally. Yeah, literally a bunch of G Leaguers and Kevin Love. Yeah. That's about all, all I got. Yeah. Let's see. So uh, we can. Uh, Yo, Nick, you want to talk about the Bruins? Segway. Uh, uh, from a team that's playing very well to a team that is just not playing well whatsoever. Uh, a team that's lost eight of their last ten, albeit four, uh, four in regulation, four in overtime or a shootout. Uh, that's the Boston Bruins. And yes, they curb stomped the best team in the league points wise in the Washington Capitals the other night, uh, jumping off to a four nothing start in the first. Winning that game seven three, but uh, man, uh, after such a hot start, not looking great of late. But you can't expect them to to be on fire all season. This is sort of that expected little bump in the in the road, and uh, hopefully they'll be able to turn it around. Right, that's why it was great that they got out to such a hot start early and were able to get such a big point lead that they're still up double digit points in the division. Um, Barely. Yeah, that was 11. That's still a lot of points. They've been hovering around 9 to 9. All right, well, right now they're up by 11 points as of this record. Yeah. (laughs) And that's despite losing 8 of their last 10. Yeah. That's insane. That's mind-boggling. The thing you have to remember is the majority of those losses were in overtime. Which I don't get why they can't freaking win in overtime. Right. Oh, yeah, it's frustrating. I think uh, their record in overtime is 2-9, and and they're 0-5 in shootouts. It's so bad. So, and you know what it is. You know, when they when they played so many overtime games that stretch, they had like, they played like four or five in a row. You kind of pick up on some things, some trends that kind of make you see how they keep losing. When they're in overtime, they don't play defense. No. They don't. Like, and that's like the most important thing. But the Bruins, whoever's on the ice, and it's, this is usually, um, usually it's Bergeron, Marchand, more so, Marshawn and Pasternak, who are victims of this, are the ones, the culprits. 
they they're the ones who are usually the ones not playing defense. It's like you'll have other teams who are like keeping guys in front of them, and the Bruins ever trying to skate by, get shots out. But when the other team comes down, I, I, you know, as a fan, you panic because so many times. And there was one play against the Islanders where I, I forget who it was, but the puck was behind the net, and Krug was on the left board, uh, Marshan was on another board, on the right side board, and then somebody else was behind the net on the boards. And so there was one Islander player with the puck behind the net, and then two were in front of the net. Um, doesn't even matter whether it was Rask, uh, Rask or Halak, but um, regardless, they they have a problem in overtime with defense regarding leaving people open in the slot. So uh, that game against Washington, though, that was very encouraging because they have an atrocious track record against the Capitals. So being able to go out there and drop. It was really five goals, two empty netters, uh, on Washington, and hold off a late surge. That was that was a very good sign, and you know, like you know, like I was saying before, they were they there was a point they lost eight of their last nine, but so many of those games were overtime games. It's not like they were really getting destroyed in any games. So I mean, this was bound to happen, and I think the most of us here that actually watch the Bruins at least through enough of an extent kind of predicted that uh, so I mean I'm again I'm still not worried haven't been worried um, improvements obviously are always going to need to be made uh, particularly to defense and goaltending but uh, as long as offense keeps uh, doing what it's doing then I don't think there's a reason to worry because there's plenty of season left and like we said, they have a, a sizable lead. I definitely am getting more concerned about Toronto. I know mm-hmm. the past few times we spoke, uh, Toronto has been kind of down in the dumps with Tampa. But since all the teams in the Atlantic outside of like the Bruins and the Red Wings are kind of like a few points within each other, um, there was bound to be somebody to make a surge and take over the Florida Panthers spot for second in the Atlantic because they are frauds, even though Nolachari pride of PC is... God. Absolute beast. Two straight hat tricks back to back. Why can't the Bruins get talent like that? Uh, Fendi. I know. <laughs> He's got Fendi, man. He'd now, be so good on one of their bottom lines. So he really scoring. would. He's got 12 goals. I don't know if there are more than three or four guys with double digit goals on the Bruins right now. I honestly don't know. I don't think there is. DeBrusque is definitely not at 10 yet. Neither is Krejci. DeBrusque, so, what about Coyle? How many do you have? I don't think Coyle's at 10. DeBrusque been a disappointment this year. Yeah, I mean, a guy who people were hoping to see put up 30, yeah, that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen at all. But um, I I think the Bruins rely a lot on their high-end talent, their high-end scoring, and then they just look for guys for support when those first-line guys go down or when they are not playing to their best. I mean, circa the last Stanley Cup playoffs, they looked to Charlie Coyle and uh, Marcus Johansson, who stepped right up and were big parts of that surge. And then, obviously, that fourth line of Corrali and Achari and guys like Wagner definitely stepping up and helping out last year. That's just their, that's been their M.O. Um, they just need to stay healthy. And that game against Washington took out Krug and McAvoy. It looks like McAvoy's probably going to be okay. Um, but Krug was the one they were more concerned about, rightfully so. Um, I haven't seen anything yet as far as injury report updates, but... Um, we'll see about that. But the main thing is they need to stay healthy, especially defensively, because 
the less of John Moore on the ice is probably <laughs> the better. Yeah. So, uh, the, just for clarification, Jabrusk yep. has nine goals and Krejci has eight. Coyle has seven. Okay, none of them at ten yet. I mean, that's Big Z's got five. That if, if you're nice. close to Sedano Chara <laughs> in goals, then you know you're doing something <laughs> wrong. I mean, Krejci, I'm, I'm not. I don't expect him to score tons of goals. He's the guy who's going to be playmaking and getting pucks moving around in the second line or wherever he is. And same thing with Coyle in the third line. I mean, he's obviously playing in the middle, so I mean, those guys are going to be the ones setting up other guys to score. But, um, but DeBrusque is a guy who you really, really wanted him to help generate some offense. But, you know, I mean, as long as they're winning games, I'm not going to complain. But when start when the shit starts to hit the fan, then you know he makes an easy scapegoat along with the goaltender. And I mean. When you when you go on a stretch and if you don't watch the games very closely, it's easy to blame goaltending like Rask and Halak. There are a lot of goals that they let in based just off bad defending. And we you ain't know, blaming Halak. I mean, certainly this is not a uh, anti Halak podcast. If anything, the majority would rule. That's my starter. That's my starter Halak. <laughs> but I mean, I'm 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 a big defender of not only just Rask but the goaltending in general because so many goals that I see go in. Are goals that you just can't stop, whether they're one-on-one right in front of Rask. He's not an elite goaltender. I mean, I've never argued that. Gets he's, paid like one. Well, that that may be true. But he's definitely not an elite value goaltender. He's good. He's damn good. But he's not elite. He's no Vasilevsky. Um, but regardless, uh, there was a goal against Washington the other night where there were about five bodies in his line of sight. You just can't see that puck, you know? Like... And that's, it's just one of many situations that you get put in where you can't expect a guy like Rask uh, to make elite-level saves. Especially, I mean, like, I think in Boston and New England you kind of get an expectation for greatness. And when you see other teams like the Patriots and the Celtics playing so well, more so the Celtics, I guess, right now, but in general you see the teams having recent success in the decade, you kind of expect everybody that plays for your team to be held to a higher standard. So it kind of rubs off, I think, a bit on Rask. But, I mean, his numbers have been fantastic. So I don't know. That's just that's just my thought. I think I'll say this. If Rask had, had won one of those two cups, the, the outlook on him would be flip side. You know, it would be completely different. You know, he just hasn't gone that monkey off his back. Oh, there would be so much more leeway given to him if he had won one of those two cups. Oh, my God. I mean, Bar none. It happens. Happens with everybody. We gave Evaldi uh, leeway last year because they just won the World Series, and he was awesome in it. I mean, if you do things really good in this town and you win win championships, you're gonna get leeway, and you're gonna get plenty of time to fuck up, and they're still gonna give you second, third, fifth chances. I mean, yeah, it, it's uh, the same reason why everyone in Boston adores Tim Thomas. He gave him. He had one good season. Yeah, gave him a championship. <laughs> Nobody says anything about any other years. Yep. But Rask gets the two cups, faces some tough situations. Has a, you know, I don't even want to talk about the ending to the Blackhawks uh, Stanley Cup Finals. But I mean, you get put in some bad situations. You know, you you know, you play as best as you can, and you just uh, you fall short, and you face a lot of backlash. So yeah, I got a fun Bruins stat. Uh, sure. The Bruins little decade roundup here. Uh, the Bruins led the the tens. Decade 
uh, in playoff wins. Does anyone know how many playoff wins they had? 69. Just floating around Twitter today. I don't know if you saw that. 65? 69, actually. 69 playoff wins. Oh, my God. Oh! John, 4 for 4. Nice! Four for, uh, Zach gets a 4 for 4. From Jonathan. Thank you. Thank you. Board. I wish they had uh, 70. No, I wish they had Yeah, two. I wish they had 70, I wish they had 71. 3. No, 72. 3. That was game 6. 72. 73. They lost in game 6 against Chicago. Yeah, 72. So they would need to win game 72. 6 and game 7. 72. Yeah, three more wins. Okay, I'm I'm bad at that. 72. Math. <laughs> we'll cut that part out of the court. No, we're definitely <laughs> not cutting that part out. <laughs> yes, I wish they had 72. Yeah, I got all these sevens in my head because I'm Arguis. But I mean, yeah. But I mean, we Birdies. maybe maybe eventually we'll have a, a decades roundup for the teams. Maybe that would be kind of cool. But yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the Bruins. I mean, just think about how different. I mean, they were so dominant, but one and two in the cup. If they were three and zero, oh, I mean, you're talking right there with the Pats. Honestly, 11, 13, 19? Yeah, I mean that's dom- decade of dominance Man. for them. Yeah. Wow! I mean, you mm-hmm. think you'd put them right there with Chicago as the team, yeah. as the team of the decade? But yeah. they're not. Well, they, also, they're still below Chicago. Oh, way I mean, below. They're still Chicago. below. They're way below Pittsburgh too in the, the decade. Below the Kings yeah. too. Yeah, the Kings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean they're the third, but they'd be right there. They'd be yeah. I'm, I think you still might have to give it to Pittsburgh, dude. Three, is it three in a row? Yeah. Pittsburgh won two and two in a row. Two in a row? Was only yeah. two in a row? Yeah, thought it was three. I thought it was three. I thought it was three. They definitely didn't three peat. It was two. I'm pretty sure. They oh, maybe they were. Go- oh, you know what? Yeah, you know they're right. I think they were going for a three P, and that's it was not when they lost to Nashville or something. No, or they, they beat, beat Nashville. Nashville that year. They lost to. They lost to Washington the year Washington won. Right. Caps year. Caps, Caps year. year. Right. I mean that was that was one of the biggest moments. The, the I would say the Capitals. Right. You. I no. mean the Capitals only won one, but that was a big deal for Ovi. No, massive deal for Ovi in his in his like career legacy legacy and everything. Yeah. Same thing, same thing, kind of thing with Mike Trout, but he yeah. he used to win one, right? But how about just playing the playoffs? All right, just playing the playoffs <laughs> Let's too. Take but some baby steps with Trout. Let's hope twenty twenty Mike Trout plays in playoffs. But still, there was a, there was a lot of there was a lot of talk about Obi because he didn't get out of the first right. second round of the playoffs, yes. and then he finally wins one. So uh, that's that's tough team of the decade. We're gonna have to come back to that one, right? Yeah, next pod we can definitely do like recap of the decade for yeah. the teams because. What give, a, you, give you a yeah. sneak peek, San Francisco Giants. Oof. That's true. Page Three. <laughs> you right. Odd year Giants. You, you knew it was, and then it just stopped. Two for the Red, two for the Red Sox, so I got to give them that. Two was, for what about the Yankees? Didn't, didn't they win one? Um, uh, I thought they'd, right? Uh, uh, no, they were. But they, they at least made one, right? They were in like five. They had to at least. They had to be in like six. They had to at least make one. With the amount of just home runs that New York Yankees fans make about 27 rings. You have to assume that they got like five in the deck. Right. Did I mean, especially if a team like the Kansas City Royals wins a World Series, the, the Yankees, Yankees had, to, had, had to have won one. And the Yankees won the AL East like at, like twelve years in a row, right? Oh, right. Yeah. Totally. Right? Yeah, it's on par with the they Patriots. Won twelve yeah. years in t- twelve uh, uh, division uh, titles in no, ten the, years. That's yeah. <laughs> that sounds right. Yeah. I, mean, I don't. I don't remember. You know, it took you a while to get there, but I really believe yeah. you. And I gotta give them this though. They've been they played the whole decade when they built that new stadium. The the previous decade. I mean, that is that's a tough park to play in. That is a pitcher friendly park if I've ever that's, seen one. It's huge. 
I mean, massive. <laughs> a humongous. Kudos. I can't even believe they were. Dude, the amount of guys they've been able to get in and not dish out tons of money for is impressive. <laughs> all built from within. Yeah. Home, homegrown players. Homegrown, every single one. And they all take the hometown discount. <laughs> and they all play like a full 162 games. Yeah. Yeah, it's not like they never missed their durables or anything. Not and their right. beards? Oof, those are some nice beards. Oh, beards are the best best beards in the best Have beard. you seen Garrett Cole's beard? <laughs> best facial hair in the league. Holy shit. <laughs> Smokes, that is sexy. He already earned the stripes. Already. <laughs> I think they already got the ring sent to them next for next Pretty year. Sure. Pretty sure. Pretty yeah. sure. 107 wins. Most home runs Probably 152. 107. Yeah. The Yankees don't lose. What are you talking about? I mean, Garrett Cole might win 107 games. He's yeah, that good. True. I mean, he has the arm of an angel. He's going to start and close, I heard. Well, he's going to piss a point game. Yeah. I mean, oh, man. But, uh... Little feel good story here to end the pod, unless we are missing something. I'm not, no, I think we got everything covered. I think that you know, we had some Christmas time here, it was a great time. Uh, Ryan Brown, such an amazing brother, goes out and buys his brother Nick a nice big bottle of Pink Whitney, which I appreciate. It's just such a sweet gesture, great story. And on top of that, he just tosses an ice in there. And Ice is the kid at 10 a.m. on Christmas morning. 10.30. 10, all right. Re, relax. <laughs> Re too lax. Re too lax. And Nick has a little trouble putting it down. Gary starts making faces at him. Boomer. <laughs> he just calls him a boomer. Okay, boomer. Okay, Zoomer. Good job, Nitchy. Really Feel proud of you for getting through that. Thanks, guys. Feel tough. good story of the week. Nick finally gets through an Ice. Oh. Feels good, man. Feels good, man. Car, uh, the carbonation really got to me, man. It was probably cold, too. Yeah, it was straight out the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, there thank you, go. everyone, for tuning in to another edition of the Mouth and Off Sports Show. It is the off-air pod. We'll be doing a few more of these, hopefully, throughout the winter break. So be sure to stay tuned in. Subscribe to us on iTunes and like us. Do all that good stuff on Twitter as well. And we'll catch you next time. Fuck yeah. Bruins Road to the Cup. Go Duke. Those Celtics, Fuck JB dude. to the All-Star Game. Country roads, baby. I play country road right now. <laughs>